Say go. If you like what we're doing here, if you support the show and you want to give support to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash let's talk native. And if you do so, we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it. So support us by going to Patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Say on, welcome to Let's Talk Native. I am John Kane, your host, and we are going to talk about something we've talked about before a little bit is that what a bad month December is historically. And uh, I do have a guest joining me. I got my, my friend Paul Winnie from the Tonawanda Seneca Territory joining me. Um, we're going to talk about two events. One is an actual anniversary today, and one was the anniversary of a, of a of a heinous crime uh, a few days ago. So first off, I'm going to talk about the execution of the Dakota 38 in Mankato, Minnesota, which was on December 26th, the day after Christmas in 1862. And and I got to do a couple of things here with this one. Um, first off, thanks thanks for joining me again, Paul. It's, it's good to have you back. I'm Stano. Good to have everybody here once again. So on December 26, 1862, a massive gallows had been built in Mankato, Minnesota. And I, when I say massive, there's never been a gallows that I'm aware of that, that was built to hang up to 40 people at one time. But that's what they existed. They built. They didn't, you know, they didn't build the gallows and then cycle through people through. No, they wanted to do something really dramatic. So, so they built this massive gallows. Um, and, of course, this was a huge public event. Uh, there was, by some estimations, there was as many as four, four or five thousand uh, good American citizens from Mankato, Minnesota, who came out the day after Christmas, the day after celebrating the birth of their Savior. They came out, men, women, children, to witness this extraordinary event, the hanging of what would be 38 uh, Dakota Native people, uh, men. And... This order was signed by Abraham Lincoln. Now, I've been seeing some of the stuff posted. And in fact, even I think somebody challenged the veracity of, of Lincoln being called the executioner. I saw a Snopes uh, piece that was done on it. And I said, well, it's partially true. Uh, because, he, you know, he, he, signed, he signed off on the execution, but he also commuted the, se the sentence of uh, 365 or whatever it was, um, people. And, and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> This isn't just like a sign-off. In order for these guys to have been executed, he had to sign the execution order. So he was the one who determined that these men would be killed. Now, the fact that what they're calling this commutation, he knew this thing was going to look terrible internationally. Because let, let's revisit what happened. There were 303 Dakota who were sentenced, who were tried, 
convicted and sentenced within a couple of weeks span by a military tribunal. And the, and the evidence was just, it was just dogpiled all from, from one or two uh, individuals. And they come up with this, this conviction and a call for their execution after several, after several weeks. 303 people tried at the same time. And, and of course, in order to execute that many people, I mean, that's, that's a massacre. That's not an execution. I mean, that's a massacre. And Lincoln knew that it was going to look bad. So he actually suggested to them, to, to the, the prosecutors, to the military tribunal that had, had uh, convicted these guys, well, isn't there some that were con uh, convicted of more heinous acts, like acts against women and children specifically? And he was looking for maybe he could find some, some rape charges or something like that. And there wasn't any, or there wasn't enough to, uh, accusations of it to... To, to come up with, with a suitable number of people to execute. So Lincoln just looked for names that seemed to be repeated a few times and then whittled the number down to 39. The execution order was for 39. Uh, for whatever reason, one person was also taken off that list. So 38 were actually executed. Now, so what were they executed for? I, and I know I've seen some of the stories out there and some of them suggest that, oh, because they were hunting out of season or something. No, it wasn't that. The bottom line is that Lincoln also signed earlier in that year the Homestead Act, which was one of the largest transfers of, of, of native lands to, to federal lands. And in order to do that, do that, he entered into a treaty, <laughs> which is another act of fraud, where people were dispossessed of their lands and they were never compensated. So all of the, you know, what would be this year-long battle between Lakota, Dakota, and others, uh, and, and the settlers that were going into these lands was about the fact that these guys were starving. They, weren't, they didn't get paid. They didn't get food allowance. They didn't get any of the things that they were promised. And so they had raided some, uh, many of these, these settler communities. And that's what they were, that's what they were charged with. And, and look, you have to understand that these white folks were shooting on these native people, too. I mean, this isn't just like, you know, they went in there and, and, and you know, killed women and children and, and, and took their, ate their porridge. So, I mean, the, the whole thing is, is not ever told the, uh, uh, truthfully as far as how this thing, you know, how the conflict generates in the first place. It generates from defrauding native people in the first place. And Lincoln does sign the execution order. You know, I don't, I don't want to add anything to that, but this, this, the way this is being whitewashed over and over again, it's just, it just frustrates me. Well, you need to keep getting the message out there and educating these people on, on these exact issues for, in order for it to hopefully sink in at some point. Yeah, and, and and we do have to push back when when people try to whitewash it as well, you know, because you know the the irony of Lincoln d signing this execution and the and this, this execution happening the day after Christmas in 1862 is that a week later is when his Emancipation Proclamation, you know, which is probably the most famous the, the thing he's most famous for, other than getting shot. Uh, um, is, so when you when you balance those two things and this is what you and I've talked about in the past we have to keep saying look you have your story and some of your story is true but it's but it ends up being a lie through omission if you leave out the rest of the story and 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 Lincoln's attitude towards native people was pretty harsh cuz you know as you reminded me also 
The Sand Creek Massacre also would take place on his watch a couple of years after this. So he had already built up this, um, you know, the, this reputation as, as, a U, as a U.S. president. And these things, it, he's not just an innocent bystander in this thing. I mean, he signed the execution order here. And after the Sand Creek Massacre, which was really considered one of the most heinous acts ever committed uh, uh, against Native people because of the mutilation and the, and the brutality, the, 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 the fact that you, you had you know, women having their breasts and men having their, their, uh, their genitalia cut off and that kind of stuff. Some of the, the most crazy stuff that, that these white people did when they they there was no court martial of uh of, of Shivington after this the colonel Shivington who happened to be a uh, you know a, a i think a methodist priest or minister or something like that but there was there, nobody was ever held accountable i mean they said that his his this guy's military career didn't you know blossom much after that well i mean there were men women and children killed in at, at sand creek and again this is all done under the uh, with Lincoln as the commander in chief. Yep. And he also had all the, the, um, Andrew Jackson, everything happened under different presidents. So. Yeah. I, and I guess the reason I, 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 and I'm not trying to harp, although I will say, uh, I'm going to lean back from my, from my camera here. I got my, um, uh, my Lincoln shirt on. <laughs> Uh, my Dakota 38 uh, Lincoln shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find it. You can find the shirt on our website, by the way, which is newly redesigned. <laughs> it's newly redesigned. I guess that's a redundant. It's redesigned. <laughs> and you can go to our merch page and you can find this Abraham Lincoln with, uh, with the noose in his hand, uh, his, his shirt or uh, the shirts on our, on our merch page. So uh, uh, check out our new, our new website anyway. <laughs> That was that was a shame, <laughs> my, my shameless pitch. Um, all right, but but I I think it's important that you know because some of these guys are so sensationalized. I mean I think it's it's really easy for people to to view Andrew Jackson through a certain lens. Although there are there are plenty of fans on the right, that's for sure of, of Andrew Jackson. But when when you break some of this stuff down, I mean I, I just saw I just saw a post recently I had. Andrew Cuomo, you know, talking about how, you know, sheriffs don't get to choose which um, um, which laws they enforce. And then somebody put a, a, po a, a quote underneath it with with Thomas Jefferson. And it's just, the quote that says, if a law is unjust, a man is not only right to disobey it, he is obligated to do so. Signed by Thomas Jefferson. And I'm reading this thing. I says, this is the freaking guy who had slaves. And used some of them as sex slaves. Had children with slaves, uh, children by slaves who were also his slaves. I mean, so when I hear a quote like this from Thomas Jefferson, that sounds wonderful to, when, to, say, to hear that kind of thing said. But this is a guy who enslaved people. I mean, so the absurdity of, of you know, that message coming from a person with that track record. And, you know, and this is, the, you know, I had my grandson on the show and I said, did they ever tell you that any of these guys had slaves or, or, or enslaved people? And of course not. So how do you not balance the the conversation by telling some of the, the full truth of some of these these people and their character? Yep. Getting the schools to teach the right thing is a whole nother topic, but that's where, you know, this information has to get started, the young kids, so that it's not um, ingrained in their uh, thoughts 
that Columbus or Jefferson or whoever was all spick and span. Yeah. Well, and I know, and I've talked about the the fact that since the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and uh, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, we have seen not only some of these Confederate statues being taken down. In fact, I think they just took the Robert E. Lee statue down in uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, just a couple of weeks ago or within within the month anyway. Um, But there was also a big push to get rid of Columbus statues and some of these other racist statues. And I know the Lincoln statue took its, uh, you know, took its lumps in, in one of these cities. I don't remember which one um, because, because of this very thing. I mean, you can't ignore the fact that, that these guys all have blood on their hands. There's a reason we call the president of the United States run the guys. And it's, it's because they've all played a role in trying to eliminate us either, you know, through ethnic cleansing involved with de- the stripping of our national character, our, our cultural character, or whether it was outright murder. You know, so w- when you when you look at that, the full range of assimilation policies or depopulation policies, you've got to you you've got to acknowledge what each and every one of these guys who sat in the White House, you know, have that they all have blood on their hands. And and I think, you know, one of the things th- that is important is is to cite it specifically. And and we can. I mean, the, there's a lot of evidence in the historical record about what these guys did uh, or what they didn't do, what, that they should have. And and by that, I mean, when they've done these, these land session uh, agreements and never fulfilled the obligations. <clears throat> you know, part of what uh, what the Cherokee went through after the, the Trail of Tears, they would find themselves... It would take years before there would be any proper settlement of a uh, uh, payment to, to these guys, and that was again during during the Jackson uh, era. So, you know, when you when Americans hear this the history, they can just get the lump all of that Indian history into into one little you know one box and not realize that this stuff it stretches from George Washington to Donald Trump. And you can find evidence and, and uh, indications of, of white supremacy, especially where it is geared towards, uh, towards dehumanizing Native people through every one of these presidents. And, and I think you're right. We've, we've got to keep the pressure on. And, and I think even in, in, in schools, I mean, when we, we've got our kids in grade school and certainly when we have our kids in high school, by then we should – the glove should come off and we should prepare that our, you know, our teenage kids, you know, I realize that some of this stuff may be somewhat, you know, age inappropriate when you're talking about some of the most heinous acts that were committed. But by the time our kids are coming out of high school, they should know some of this truth. Oh, we have to deal with growing up and watching TV, you know, and getting Indian stories or, events happening through TV shows from the fifties and the sixties. And that stuff is totally bogus. Yeah. When you got, when you have Disney doing stories that, uh, that people are going to interpret as, as history or, or any, uh, any of the Hollywood stuff. But I mean, look, you got cartoons. I mean, Warner brothers, I mean, Bugs Bunny shooting native people through, you know, through the, from a fort. I mean, these are the kinds of things that, that, you know, that everybody's been inundated, including our people with, and, 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 you know, you're right. We've got to correct the narrative first to our kids. So, 
you know yourself, we had a Haudenosaunee chiefs wearing Plains Indian headdresses back in the 50s because, frankly, we we were taking our own our own cues, our own identity from what Hollywood was, was Hollywood was creating before we started saying, "Nah, we got to make this. We got to get this right." Yeah, learning from that past, putting it into today's context of teaching these kids nowadays, not to because they didn't see those things, but whatever they're seeing now is what we need to correct. Sure, sure. Moving forward. Well, and, and you're right, and, and we're still, some of that stuff is still coming through. You, know, you still have Disney making films, and you've still got, you know, you've got a lot of double speak that comes out of politicians. And, you know, so you, you get these guys saying these platitudes. I mean, part of the, the you know, thing that I've ca- tried to address without fully condemning uh, Deborah uh, Hallen as a, as a person, you know, I'm not as enthusiastic about, you know, one of our people becoming their agents, their servants in their interior department. And so having that conversation, not that I need to convince everybody that I'm right and they're wrong, but just say, look, this isn't as cut and dry as what people think it is. And, and we, we have to be, we have to be prepared to think critically and, and be somewhat cynical when some of these overtures are made to us. Yeah, it it hasn't, happened in the past with the click of a finger it's you know and it's not going to happen just because some new person is in there exactly exactly and you know and 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 understanding that whether they're sitting in congress or whether they're sitting in 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 a state legislature or whether they're sitting in a, at a cabinet level they are not there representing us they are actually serving at the pleasure of the governor or the the state constitutions or the president or the US constitution. So the 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 interest the, the public interest that they're weighing out is not our interest. I mean, I'm not saying they they aren't going to hear us. I hope they do. But uh, but they act, they're not serving us. They are serving the United States in in those capacities. And so the level of sacrifice that they are willing to impose upon us so they can advance their national agenda is something that we have to be, you know, we have to be prepared. Look, I, I know you, you were, you directed me to listen to some of uh, Saul uh, Alinsky's um, uh, stuff. And you look, he, he says, look, you've got to point this stuff out. You got to get people agitated by, by, by demonstrating what is really happening here? Because if you're going to build a movement, the first thing you got to do is get people engaged. And if we don't do this kind of information sharing, the very stuff that we're doing here right now, um, then it, it's it's really easy for people to just kind of settle back and just kind of take our lumps. No, you have to keep practicing teaching these things and can't give up. Otherwise, that's what that's what they want. They yeah. want the they want the compliance and the silence. Yeah, or uh, you know, like Saul says, if you think that you're you're just going to boycott them and you're going to just just disengage, that's also what they want. That that kind of silence is good for them too, because if they don't have to deal with you because you you th- think that you've been able to, you know, um, I don't know, just settle in on our territories and and, and have some sort of you know, um, sanctuary on our territories. Uh, they they're less interested in coming onto our territories today than than they are keeping us on those territories so we don't spread our message. I mean that's that's really a bigger concern for them. Yeah, having 
uh, Harlan there is not, um, it's one of those things you, well, let's wait and see. Yeah. And, and, and I'm trying to have an open that, mind. They, they, we don't have that kind of time again. Like, like I said, with his solar project, you know, it's, are we going to wait and see, but then nothing happens in a year and a half or two years. Yeah. How, wait, how long do we wait? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's, it's just to have to keep doing it and along with whatever she's going to be accomplishing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, to, to be clear, one of the things with, with Holland is, uh, is that as the interior secretary, she is basically sitting in a position of authority and that authority is claimed to be over native lands, which is, you know what you and I talked about, you know, the status of land, land title and all that other stuff, but they have this general idea that, that the interior department basically controls and has authority over all federal lands, including what they call tribal lands. And, and some of us beg to differ. So that, that's where we're going to, you know, that's kind of where the rubber's going to meet the road at some point, even with her. All right. All right. Hey, um, I'll shift gears and we're going to take a break in a few, in a few minutes, but let me get started on, uh, on this anniversary. So today, December 29th is the, um, and the anniversary of the massacre at wounded knee. And and I've talked a lot about L. Frank Baum. Uh, for those who don't recall, he is the author of the wonderful Wizard of Oz, and he wrote a couple of editorials in um, in the Saturday Pioneer in 1890. And one of the ones that he wrote immediately after the killing or murder of Sitting Bull basically called for uh, our extermination. Now, this. Again, the Saturday Pioneer was a, a paper written out of Aberdeen, uh, Dakota Territory. He wrote this this uh, editorial, and, I, and I'll read it after the break, some of it anyway, um, about, you know, that Sitting Bull was essentially the last noble, you know, almost, and, and he, he described him almost in kingly fashion, this, the, this last noble redskin, as he called him, and, and that the rest were, that, that we weren't worthy of life. And and that the the security for the not just the frontier but but certainly to for to these white settlements would only be um, attained through the annihilation and the extermination of native people. Now he wrote that on December twentieth, in eighteen ninety. Nine days later, the massacre at Wounded Knee would happen. Now I'm not saying that everybody had a copy of his paper tucked in their back pocket when they decided to open fire on uh, on the folks in you know at Wounded Knee, but it, you can't pretend that even in 1890 that the media and, the, and that, the, that the press did not have um, some effects on it. And the fact that those editorials are still available to read uh, shows that they, that they had enough impact to be, to be saved and, and for posterity. So, so what would happen on, uh, on December 29th is there would be basically they, they corralled a, a, a bunch of native people who were, who were peaceful and they tried to disarm them first off. And as they were attempting to disarm, now these were hunting rifles, this, this um, uh, settlement or this, this group was, uh, was predominantly older men, women and children. And they had their hunting rifles. And as they were attempting to disarm them, there's mixed stories on how the first shot got fired, but 
regardless, um, they, they ended up opening fire on, on all of the people there. And they killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to 300 Native people, including many women and children, because there wasn't that many men there. Um, there were over 250 killed. There was another 50 or so that were injured. Most of those would die, die from their injuries. Um, and that would include, like I said, um, many uh, women and children. This was obviously uh, in uh, a cold climate, and it was it was December, so it it was it, it was a, it was a terrible environment in the first place from a from a weather standpoint, from a you know environment standpoint, and this murder would uh, th- this massacre would take place. Um, in fact, some of the, the Lakota would, would fight back a little bit and, and, and there were some casualties on the, uh, on the American side as well. But one of the things that, that is really disturbing is that 20 medals of honor were awarded, uh, to us soldiers for this massacre. And the, there's been an effort, in fact, um, NCAI, the National Congress of American Indians um, actually passed a resolution in 2001 condemning the medals, uh, asking them to be rescinded. And of course, that's almost 20 years ago, and that hasn't happened yet. But one of the things that that I didn't know until only a few years ago was there's actually a monument locally here in in, in Seneca Territory, in, in up in, in Niagara Falls, I guess, and you know more about this than I do, that actually... Um, it it actually uh, has inscribed on there these medals of honor given to local uh, i assume they're local <laughs> uh people from from this you know western new york area who were involved in the massacre who who were awarded medals uh, tell me a little bit about that uh yeah that's uh, one frederick e toy who was a uh, born in buffalo and um ended up retiring in the niagara falls area mm-hmm. so, he has their individual um, mark, uh, granite um, headstones, if you would, type thing. It's in Hyde Park on Pine Avenue in, Ni- in the city of Niagara Falls. If anybody goes and looks at it, it's a large um, veterans memorial sarcophagus with uh, other members on that. But the individual stand out in front of that. Uh, as individual um, uh, monuments to these uh, other soldiers. And it has the actual uh, sort of engraved into the the granite, the the metal. Mm. Wow. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk about that because I know there's, there's been an effort and you've been involved in that effort um, to, to have this addressed. Um, And I know, the more we talk about this, the more people will be aware of it. And, and again, it helps it helps bring attention to it. And and perhaps, you know, the, the duly noted, um, you know, call for the, the, these monuments to be either taken down or altered or, or something. I mean, nobody should be celebrating the massacre of Wounded Knee. And uh, and the fact that these guys were issued medals in the first place is, is problem enough. The fact that, the, that there's monuments still standing uh, for all the world to see is another problem altogether. Look, Paul, we'll take a break and we'll uh, we'll come right back and we'll 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 talk a little bit more about this issue and you know kind of some of the conversations that you've had 
Um, and of course, in the context of monuments coming down, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk more about it. This is John Kane. I've got my guest uh, Paul Winnie joining me. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. I've got my guest, Paul Winnie, joining me uh, today. Look, we, we've talked about some of the, um, the these terrible December anniversaries. Well, today is actually the anniversary of the massacre at Wounded Knee. And if it weren't bad enough, what took place in 1890? And, and, and again, 1890 just does isn't it's not that long ago. I mean, I my great grandmother was alive, you know, during that time, and and so it's you know it's it's it just doesn't feel like it's that long ago. Um, but if that weren't bad enough, is that we still live today with with certain things like these monuments, and we've we've talked about the Lincoln monuments, and we talked about Christopher Columbus, but the, the monument that stands in Hyde Park in, in Niagara Falls that basically you know, it, it demonstrates the Medal of Honor. Is it is just one individual? No, there's uh, nine of them there. Nine of them. Okay, all right. That, that's what I thought. Yeah, I knew there was. Yeah, okay. So it lists nine individuals from Western New York who were a part of the Wounded Knee Massacre, and so there's this monument, and and we'll uh, we'll, we'll put a, put a picture up of it. Um, but there's an effort, and there's been an ongoing effort. I mean, look, not only did the um, NCAI ask for uh, the rescinding of those medals, but, you know, actually going back to 1990, I think it was, the federal government, I don't think it was a joint resolution of Congress or anything, but there was some expression of remorse and regret for the massacre of Wounded Knee, which, you know, it's just lip service when that stuff happens. So when you, when you talk about, okay, now there's going to be a Native woman who uh, is the interior secretary, this De- Deborah Hallen has the, she does have the opportunity to address some of these issues. And, and, and I realize it might be a little bit outside her purview because it has to do with military and, and medals and that kind of stuff. But certainly she, you know, she could bring a lot of weight to bear on this thing. And that'll be part of the question. This is, you know, part of that wait and see thing that you, you talked about. Let's not wait too long, but let's, we'll certainly see. But, You've been a part of, of not only uh, having conversations with folks uh, in Niagara Falls, but uh, a bigger issue, um, the Remove the Stain uh, effort that you're involved in. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to get up at that level. I mean, I've been discussing this Remove the Stain Act with local people. Um, it was you know, introduced in 2019 by Denny Hack from Washington State and had backing from uh, everybody from Camilla Harris, Bernie Sanders, um, and also uh, Harlan, who actually introduced it to the Senate in her speech. Um, to the, you mean the House? In, it would be yeah, yeah. the House, okay, yeah. yep. So, um, so she, that was interesting points that she made and it's all the necessarily points about trying to get some type of 
acknowledgement and um, finalization. And so, so some healing can start with this bill. And when, when I first started looking into it a few years ago, you know, obviously the bill wasn't there and the whole idea kind of fizzled out a little bit. And then it got reintroduced this fall uh, with some other friends of mine and stuff. And now we're at to where um, we've talked to local people in Niagara Falls. Um, there's uh, the uh, Niagara Falls City Council. We announced that, uh, you know, we would appreciate if something was going to be done in there that was done this fall. And, but the actual park is, um, the Niagara Falls Veterans Memorial Commission is in charge of that section of the donated area out of Hyde Park. And they're the ones that ultimately um, carried out the project and are in charge of it. And so the city council um, said it wasn't really our entity, but we understand your point. And now there's a Stan Zimmerman and a Ken Hamilton on the um, committee. Um, Ken Hamilton is a reporter up in Niagara Falls who actually wrote, wrote a story um, condemning it and wanting it to see it down, but he was only one voice. Um, and then there's, uh, to this day, all the, the understanding is that from Stan Zimmerman and that the the notion of the massacre and the Medal of Honor getting uh, removed is something that they only want to carry out if the act of Congress was would pass. So everybody kind of passing the buck a little bit on this thing, right? And so that's kind of recently what I found. I mean, I. Um, still been involved with the solar thing so I, this was kind of a side thing over the last couple of things in which we tried we talked about having a uh, demonstration there today mm -hmm. uh, and but you know i guess in light of the covid situation you know and not foreseeing any weather you know um problems we we didn't really get into that and also wanted to wait and see where um the, the local uh, we're going to posture themselves and then but getting to where we're at it's like we actually need to create uh, a demonstration it's, it's, it's one of the only ways to, to raise, more, the, raise the awareness more. right yeah awareness i mean it's only whatever i can do to, to try to bring this out i mean it's obviously on a national level and one vote away from being enacted by the president if it went that far mm -hmm. but we still need to educate this gets back to the education part of the local people to understand and when you ex can explain it to most of the people that i talk to you know it's like oh that that's not right right that shouldn't be like that it, it, you, you hear that all the time right to like hey they took the country away from you you know that wasn't right you know that that kind of thing. So, um, it's, well, it's and, and and what I what I always get back to with with these kinds of monuments and, and statues and some of these other uh, ways of of you know, romanticizing history is 
you know, when we when we call for something to be done, like specifically, like a, a monument coming down or, or, or names removed or something, you know, or a statue coming down, we get accused of, of wanting to erase history. Well, it's the mistelling of history that is the erasure. The idea that we're saying, look, that those people should not be honored with this, you know, for all of eternity on this monument because what they were involved in essentially was a war crime. And and any telling of the of the massacre of Wounded Knee, it's never discussed. It's it's not a battle. This wasn't this wasn't a battle. This was a killing. This was a mass killing. And and so the idea that that these guys would be, you know, memorialized in such a way, that's the lie. And so and 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 I, and I think I think trying to to tell the story and and, and explain this to people. So they understand we're not trying to hide history. And, and in fact, you, you, they if they want to put a mark up there that, that explains what took place with that monument, then l- let's tell the truth. Let's let's tell the real history. Let's tell the real story. Yeah, that that event has been documented 10 different ways, uh, you know, books, movies, documentaries, Ken Burns, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, have have explained that that uh, that day. And you have to um, understand that for the time period that we were, the actual definition of the historic of the honor um, uh, medal. Yeah, the medal of honor. The yeah. definition at that period of time, because it has been revised, was to dis- distinguish themselves by their their gallantry and action and other soldier-like qualities. That was what the premise of the Medal of Honor was at that time. And there was um, a Captain Early who recommended um, Frederick Toy, um, was quoted for conspicuous bravery and coolness displayed while shooting hostile Indians. (laughs) And so, I mean, all this stuff is there it's, it, it's it's just that people want to take the time to really understand the whole story. Well, and, and this took place at a time where there's real photographs of of mass grave of a mass grave that was dug and bodies dumped into it that looks eerily like what what people were you know saw in Nazi Germany with with, uh, with Jews. I mean, and they're all oftentimes those two pictures are put side by side, so there's no comfortable way. Uh, you know, of heroizing that, you know, that military action or, you know, so there's just, there's just no way to do it. So I I think we do have to keep pounding on this and, and, you know, asserting what, what took place. Cause even in the best of scenarios, even if you want to tweak the numbers and be as conservative as possible, it still is a massacre. No matter what you do, it's still a massacre and and in any way shape or form in any way that you could de, you know you could describe it yeah i mean uh elizabeth warren stating that's a horrific acts of violence against hundreds of lakota men women and children that's um what needs to be brought out is that the people that endured it that they have the descendants of the wounded knee and those people and all the Lakota country has to deal with this day as an anniversary of that tragic event, and it doesn't um, it doesn't go away. 
it's there. They're doing a horse ride. They do an annual horse ride mm -hmm. from um, Standing Rock to Pine Ridge because that's where they were trying to retreat to after the killing of Sitting Bull um, just prior to that. And then you have the whole ghost dance um, thing going on. And and, well, and, 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 and to put this very... in, in, into a little bit more historical pers perspective, you know, and it was John Turdell who talked about, you know, we can we can talk and and uh, and praise what took place at Little Bighorn with the you know Custer's last stand and that kind of stuff, but look how look at the payback. Look at look at who was killed and and look what would take place. You know th that was in um, 1876, and within you know within less than 15 years, um, all of the, the 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 main figures from from that would be killed. And and then this massacre at, at Wounded Knee. I mean, so there there was this whole payback thing. And I'll tell you, getting back to yeah, Niagara Falls, that was the Seventh Cavalry. Well, exactly. And 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 on that note, I got to tell you, a few years ago, I I went to the uh, Niagara Falls City Council to condemn the the, the then Mayor Paul Deister because during a nine eleven commemoration. He literally made the comparison to the first responders who went into uh, those buildings in, in New York um, as, you know, as cavalry. You know, he says, I, I imagine them like the U.S. cavalry. And I'm thinking, you do realize that the U.S. cavalry, the images that people have that are things like this, massacres. The, the, these kinds of, they, where there was, where, you know, so the idea that he was actually making that comparison was something that I thought was inappropriate, especially since in this in his next breath he started condemning the Senecas over the whole gaming money thing. But um, you know, so this is kind of the view that gets held by some of these guys that and and he he you know touted himself again as this military expert, this historian that that, that studied all this stuff, and yet that would be the the analogy that he would make. Uh, I found that you know terribly inappropriate and. Um, you know, just like this monument is terribly inappropriate. Yeah, trying to make a, a step forward, the um, the act would be an acknowledgement that we could build on to um, to help understand these situations because we all, all the other, um, we've all had our wounded knees right. at different periods of time through for the last five hundred years. It's that that was just their time because the the people in the East already had their wounded knee. Sure. Sure. And the Sullivan campaign, um, you know, it, it goes on and on over and over again. You know, even as we talk about things like residential schools, these, these were, these were strewn across the continent on us and Canadian soil. What people experienced was, was pretty incredible. And we all, had that experience at one time in that U.S. history. That's why I think putting some of that in context and, and making people understand, well, this is what took place under this president. This is what took place under that president. We aren't just this period of history that ended with discovery. We, you know, while Abraham Lincoln is, is being praised for freeing the slaves, he's, he's also you know, responsible for the, being the final signatory on the, the largest mass execution in the history of the United States. So I think it's really important that people put this stuff in, in perspective and understand what each one of these presidents, what each one of these 
eras of uh, of American history that there was a native um, interaction that went with every one of those periods of U.S. history. Yeah, the the local city of Niagara Falls could actually do um, do themselves a favor if they would enact on this without the the bill being passed. If they wanted to, you know, really honor us or be part of the people that push things over the hill here where they could um, uh, remove it on their own. Well, and it's, I, you know, I go so far as to say, just like the city council could make a recommendation or endorse a change, even if they don't have the authority to do it, this committee could do the same thing. So basically the city of Niagara Falls could not only endorse a change of the monument, but they could also endorse because they happen to have a, a, a local interest in this bigger story that, that they um, endorse the, you know, uh, this act. Yeah. It's all just like, like we did with the mascot thing um, and the indigenous people's day, like in Akron where mm-hmm. we, you know, Akron became one of the first in the East of the Mississippi to uh, recognize indigenous people's day. But that, that actually created Gowanda and Lewiston and other places to do the same thing. Built momentum. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. It, it was all on the tails of the mascot thing. And we're kind of, um, it, we did get somewhere. So let's keep doing this. Like I said, if we need to go to Hyde Park and go to the Veterans Memorial to create a, another story that would get put out in the press somewhere um, nationally and, and and help those people. Because when I talk to um, one of the descendants, Vonda Eagle Horse, um, she was basically in tears when I told her I was trying to help out by doing this and that they need, and it's spelled out even when they did it in Congress, they brought in um, a lady that had fought in World War II and you know they just need the healing. They need that justice, if you would, you know, to, to get past you know, the trauma that, that, that this happens every year at this time on this day. Well, and, and I think, you know, we carry this with us, you know, and like you said, we all have our, our, you know, our, our wounded knee. And so we carry this with us and without there's some acknowledgement, look, I, look, I, I fully, I'm I'm glad the Washington football team changed its, uh, dropped its name. And I'm glad, you know, Cleveland's doing the same thing with its baseball team. You know, it, it's, it's going to change how I view um, the powers that be in those, in those cities. And, and the, uh, be, just by that relatively small act. So I think when you carry some of this, this trauma with you, uh, historical trauma and, you know that these anniversaries, you know, come around every year. And and it's not even just the anniversary. The idea that they have a Veterans Day. So at Hyde Park, every you know, and on, on Veterans Day, they're going to do some celebration there. You know, or Memorial Day, they're, they're going to do some celebration. So, so for some of us, that same scab gets 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 pulled and ripped off, you know, with every one of these these um holidays that the United States has that, that romanticizes the military engagement because before, you know, you know, we, we've talked about this before a little bit before the, you have the, um, uh, the 
State Department, the Interior Department was the agency involved with American expansionism. So a lot of that military, those military actions that beyond the, the Civil War um, was all about expanding. It was all about expansion. I mean, hell, this, um, the, the Homestead Act that, uh, that, that Lincoln signed into law, you know, in the same year that this uh, execution would take place. That was all about rewarding people who had never taken up arms against the United States and as a way to, you know, to, to reduce poverty amongst white people. Ultimately, they, they even expanded the Homestead Act to black people, although the whole, you know, act was, was such a debacle. It ended up being rife with fraud and greed. And, you know, basically it was just wealthy people who ended up grabbing the lion's share of that 500 million acres that uh, that the federal government put up to, into into that Homestead Act. But this is this is the history. I mean, I, they do that that commemorative ride for the Dakota 38, too. And, right. you know, when they produce that film, one of the things that and, and I encourage you to look at watch the film. It's a it's a documentary film called the Dakota 38. And um, there's a there's a young man who's a part of the ride. And the young man's name was Billy Ray Dumark. And he is really uncomfortable around the white people that, that they keep engaging because they're getting some support from from some of these, you know, wealthy ranchers and stuff like that. They helped them out with their trailer. They 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 fixed him a big dinner at one point on this ride. And he was he was never comfortable with it. And the white guy who's helping produce a film couldn't couldn't understand it. And to me, it's so obvious. Look, this all this this generosity coming from these rich white people, they got rich off of the land that these guys all lost. And the saddest part about the whole that that film is when you get to the end of the film and you see the memorial credits, and they they list Billy Billy Ray Dumark, and I looked it up. He committed suicide before the before the next ride, and you know this is that trauma that we carry with us. So they're doing this commemorative ride about the, the Dakota 38 and they're riding across their homeland. That's not theirs. That, that's not theirs anymore. These, all these wealthy people, and it doesn't matter how nice they are. It doesn't do away with the fact that, that they're living great lives off of this land. That's no longer the Lakotas. It's, you know, that's, that's part of the, the trauma. Well, I hope they can um, um, benefit by this uh, Remove the Stain Act at some point, because um, they 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 deal with that all the time, like we said, and everybody has their, um, like I said, everybody has their wounded wounded knee. But we also need we need that finality to. Um, whether it's anything, because there's so many issues, whether it's uh, the rights of indigenous people getting acted on by the United States or, or this act or other things where there's some kind of acknowledgement towards us. Um, and I mean, native people. And it's not, I'm just, I don't, I was just born who I am. I didn't like, it wasn't pre this. I'm just doing with what I'm born with. Yeah. So uh, that's all I can do is try to to take care and 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 help my people. Well, and and you know the acknowledgement is uh, is obviously something that is important, but 
along with that acknowledgement, there are some actions that come with it. You know, and I know we're, you know, we're, this is the challenge. I mean, it's, it's easy to have lip service paid to you. You know, it's easy for people to say, yeah, yeah, we really regret that it happened. Okay. Do you regret it enough to, to take some names off a monument or take a monument down or, or, you know, or really look at some sort of, you know, reconciliation plan to, de to deal with some of this stuff? I mean, I, you know, people always, you know, people get scared of talking about reparations or compensation and that kind of stuff, but and, I, and I'm not even necessarily going there, but there does have to be something more than just a plaque. I mean, the acknowledgement is great, but there there has to be enough of an acknowledgement that some that proper action takes place. And, you know, I, I look at the situation in Hawaii. They passed through a joint resolution of Congress. They 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 gave this apology resolution. I mean, uh, the joint resolution of Congress, House and Senate. They acknowledged the wrongdoing that the United States, uh, you know, played in in the the coup essentially against the Hawaiian Kingdom, against the Queen of Hawaii. And when they tried to use that resolution in some sort of land case in Hawaii, the 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 federal court said uh, that resolution has no weight of law, and and so so it's just lip service. It it, it doesn't even get to the point where. When you acknowledge, when you when you apologize for wrong, that there's any contrition associated with the apology, and 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 that these acts of contrition are physical acts that have to take place to, that can help the help the real the true healing uh, you know occur. So I, I agree with you though. I, it, it starts with an acknowledge, an acknowledgement, and once that's done, then we need to have a bigger conversation. Yeah, the, the McGurk decision only rolled over until. The then they brought in the EPA having control over the land. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You get one, you get one, and then you lose one. Yeah, exactly. And 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 this is where this idea of lip service and and these these you know just these words um, can be hollow. And you know that's why you know, we have to build on everything. And and like you like you were saying about you know the Indigenous Peoples Day with the town of Newstead and Akron, we got to build momentum and then let the momentum you know, carry us to, uh, to having some, some, some physical change, you know, some, some actions that take place that, uh, that really do affect the lives of people who have been wronged, um, not just historically, but that we continue to be wronged. And, and I think that's what people also can't seem to fully acknowledge is that just because something took place in 1890 doesn't mean that we aren't seeing a you know a, a monument every day that you know that you know that is commemorating this as an act of heroism when it when it really wasn't so other guy i want to thank you so much for joining me paul uh great conversation uh we'll we will do more on this and we'll uh you know we'll, we'll, we'll go up to hyde park and we'll uh we'll you know we'll, do a little demonstration that sounds good all right paul winnie is my guest uh thank you so much for joining me and uh we'll we'll catch up with you next time i want to thank you for joining me and uh, well, we'll get back at you next time. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.